traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Consider, if you will, soybean cyst nematode. Our topic for today in our spotlight, we're going to look at new crop dusting drones, egg history minute. We'll talk about the history of Halloween and agriculture. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll finish it off with an egg idiom for the week. With me today are the ghost of Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? The spirit of Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And the Schomburg monster, Bill Schomburg. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> and I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So, happy Halloween. Same to you. That was a good voice over there. Spooky. Voice guy. <laughs> Extra spooky. Ooh. Tomorrow. Yep, tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, if you remember hearkening back to our full moon episode where we talked about the harvest moon and yep. tomorrow's going to be the, the blue, blue moon. moon. Blue so got to drink some blue moon there on you go, Maybe Halloween. we should have started with that. Blue moon. Yeah, <laughs> every kid who comes to the door gets a blue moon. <laughs> Here, uh, hey. Here, kid, take this home to your dad. Yeah, I was going to say, Yo. give it to the parents. They'll be pretty pumped. You guys having your annual Chris, or, uh, Halloween uh, party? Um, Vir- virtually, virtually, yeah, we're, we're doing oh. a, do a virtual one. Yeah. Just no scavenger hunt this year. Well, Matt's got. Matt probably up this doesn't want to let in to me ah, on what's yep. in store. Yeah, we so, got it. So Sorry, I, I don't want to wreck it. Some secrets yet? Yeah. So. All right. Yeah. Last year, I ended up like you locked up good. in a shed. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Todd was I Todd was, was missing, missing from the party. Yeah. Game night, and then they had to find me. Yeah, yeah that's basically where I got. And then the nobody idea. came to find me. It was pretty sad. <laughs> so I was just yeah. there for we like just left him there for four hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Around hey, midnight, we're like, hey oh, guys, oh shit, you're Todd. <laughs> so you missed the party as well. Oh, it was about probably forty. Actually, it was quicker than I thought that they found me. So yeah, it was, it was a half hour, forty yeah. minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's so. cool. So yeah, we had good week in Wisconsin sports. Sort of the, the start. It of, started well, really the, good. The start of Friday last week was a good week. I should say this week not so much, but. Last week was a good week. Freaking did Graham you like Mertz. Friday night football? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It probably helps that, like, f- high school you can't go to see sure. this year. So it was nice. And then you could have your Saturday to Trick watch other football or <laughs> do other things. Yeah. I liked it. I and always then, like having Saturday radio with Matt LePay and yeah. while you're doing, like, yard work and stuff. So Friday night it wasn't – I didn't – I think I just listened to part of it. Sure. Did you watch the whole thing, Max? Yeah, we watched. Uh, I was at the at the in laws. Uh, we watched most of the game. Look, looked pretty good. Looked yeah, pretty good. Not too many times you start out the season with a five touchdown performance. That was from amazing. The quarterback. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I was really excited for Graham Mertz, but I really thought he was gonna bust because just because there was so much anticipation yeah. for him, I was like, he's gonna come out. And go like eleven He's the for twenty recruit ever we've had, even compared to Russell Wilson. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The so. best thing for me was that first touchdown where he just threaded the needle to Stocky right over his shoulder, like perfect. It was almost like Aaron, not Aaron Rodgers ish, but like just boom, like this is a quarterback. We actually have a quarterback. Finally, we did, well, okay, we did have it. So then the news comes out yeah. that he yeah. tests positive for Test COVID. Positive. Sorry, if the season ends today, we're undefeated. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And the the Big Ten has the strictest COVID guidelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah twenty one days, which is 
way more. I think CDC is down to ten days. Yeah, ten or twelve. Yeah. So, so why so why are they twenty one? What's big, it's the hard thing? It's the oh, they're monitoring. The, monitoring. Yeah. So the they have to effects. go through ten, and then whatever more days, then they have to get a heart monitor because of that one kid. I think in Indiana, yep. had a heart condition after COVID. So, and that's why. So, I mean, either way, that obviously Nebraska got canceled. Because, well, they're up to 16 now, I think. A couple more yesterday. Well, and some yep. coaches, too. Yeah, yeah. Chris. Paul Paul Chris right? Yeah. I saw him during the game. You know, he, he had it under his under the his nose. But then sure. every time he, you saw him, he pulled it up over his nose, his glasses would fog up. Yep. So I'm like, well, he's just got it down because his glasses are fogging up. Well, then he gets positive, too. So, but he can come back next week, Saturday, which is the day of Purdue, if we can play. How, as you said, sixteen they're up to, and how, how many coaches and players though are on a? It's up to like eighty or something, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's over that. It's probably a yeah. hundred. Yeah. So, so it's not, I mean, it's still fourteen's a lot, but and they said pretty much the UW decided to shut it down. Yeah. More so than the Big Ten. Yeah, they they were the ones that said we're going to just get our hands around this and stop it from getting to thirty or forty. Like, yeah. Didn't Florida have that where they're like, yeah, let's fill up the swamp, and then the next day, like, then they had the whole bunch. team got well, sick. Everyone was, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. They have to play six games in order to be qualifying for the Big Ten Championship. How many total are there Eight. this season? Oh, so they can only miss two. Yeah, so now they can only miss one. Yeah, one they were one. saying okay. if they would have started the season as regular, they would have had like two bye weeks to build in. Where right. You, where you could have could have had this handled stuff. something like this yeah. without missing games. And now because of the late start, there's just no way. To reschedule anything. Did so. Nebraska find another team to play or whatever? Well, they were going to play Chattanooga, and then Big Ten's like, no, no. you morons. <laughs> so, well, Nebraska's not a real Big they're Ten They're bent team. out of shape. They think <laughs> so we're like doing this on purpose. It's like they got spanked by Ohio State, yeah. too, Nebraska. They, they well, I, not, mean, I mean, they were we, in it in the first half, and then after that, I was actually pumped for Danny. I mean, Danny Bannon. Bannon yeah, Boone, local kid. Local kid, uh, yeah. Kimberly guy, he was... Oh, he was going to play. Yeah, because yeah, the fourth stringer. The third stringer, yeah. Chase Wolf's got it, too. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, Danny's going to get his They chance. did say that's the best Not that fo- I know football him, name ever, Bannon Boom. Bannon Boom. Yeah. <laughs> like, he does have a sweet football name. Man. And I've been... You know, I feel like he's been at Madison for like I, eight years. Two years, right. yeah. It's been, it feels like it's been forever. You've seen him sitting there like just waiting for his chance. Yeah, he's one for one with a touchdown. That's his career record. It would be nice to see him play. Johnson. Yep. I finished with no interceptions, 100% completion rate, 100%, 100% touchdown. Touchdown, yeah. touchdown. I touched the ball, it's a touchdown. I was at that game and they brought him in like on the goal line for whatever reason and they threw a slant and he threw it and touchdown. It the was, easiest throw they could have yeah, given him. Yeah. Touchdown. Perfect. <laughs> it was cool though. Yeah, just don't look at the yardage or number of touchdowns. Yeah. One for one for one yard and a touchdown. Yeah. His rating is like 500 something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they come up with that, but nice. Yep. Well, at least we have Packer football to look forward to. They smoked the Texans last week. Hey, even J.J. Watt was like a little baby after. Oh, yeah. he was. They were all kind of pissed. Yeah. He, well, he's like they're one and six now, so yeah. they're, they're, it's, a, it's kind of an uh, ongoing thing with them. Hopefully they make a trade. There, there's talk of uh, Will Fuller, yep. which is a wide receiver of theirs, coming to the Packers. I don't really like a guy with hamstring issues coming to the Packers. <laughs> I mean, we uh, we just are getting out of the hamstring issue era of yeah. the Green Bay Packers, so I don't know. A guy with hamstring issues doesn't sound like They said like. Uh, also Alshon Jeffrey was... Oh, really? That. that was another one there. Yeah, the Eagles... While well, they were talking this week, the Eagles need to just cut bait and move on. They're just not a good team. They gotta get... They gotta just get over it and... But yeah. Oh, 
I wonder if if the Patriots lose on Sunday because the the deadline's Tuesday. They'll be like three and four or something like that, three and five. I don't know what, but that maybe Belichick will just blow it up even more. But they don't have much probably to give. Well, the problem is a lot of the guys they would have that would be worth something are not playing. Yeah, right, they got like sixteen or nineteen guys who yeah, opted the, out. No, opted, yeah. So I mean, they, and that was a lot of defensive starters that just right. were like, "Nah, I'm not feeling it this even, year." Even the Packers think of their guy that opted out, uh, Funches. I can yep. never say that Devin, name. Funches, Devin Funches. you know, is yeah, we're weak at the wide receiver spot, but we also had, you know, he. I think he would have contributed and helped if he was playing. Any other capable body when you have Devontae out there, any other capable yeah. body is going to get open. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy to watch what Devontae can do. Fun. I don't think Aaron Jones has practiced yet this nope. week, so nope. he might be sitting another week out. The problem we have right now is we go Sunday and then turn around Thursday. Thursday. Yep. So sure. that's the. I think if it was Sunday, Sunday, maybe Aaron Jones would play. But I bet you they don't want to. They want him for well, which San Jamal Francisco. Williams is doing just fine. It's, yeah, not, it's well. not like we're playing the Chiefs this weekend either. So no. it's like okay, yeah. Jamal Williams is electric. He is so much fun to watch. I like watching him. I. I heard the local guys the other day saying, "Oh, like Jamal Williams isn't a isn't a game changer." Did it? I'm like, just you see the, the way he runs he the ball. Brings, yeah, yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, okay. when his helmet got just popped off like a cork, you know, yeah. from a wine bottle, and got up he didn't and, get up and point like that's a penalty. You know, he just got up and was like, he's like, like headbanging. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I mean, that's a way to start well, a game. The, the other thing is like his interviews after the games. Like last year, he had 100 <laughs> yeah. yards rushing in the rain, and they're like, oh, he looked like he felt good out there. He goes, I felt like a mermaid. And I was, I was like, that, that's the kind of guy you want running the ball. I felt like a mermaid. <sighs> he's not changing his cleats, and all my gloves don't work. It's raining. He's just like, give me the ball. I'm, I'm going to run as hard as I can, as long as I can, and we'll see what happens. So I, th- I really like him. I think the one thing this week playing the Vikings we're going to be sad about is not we're missing out on Justin Jefferson. They said he's really doing well for the Vikings. We're this close to getting picking him. So that, that'll probably be the bummer part of the game. But they should. Vikings have packed it in, I think. so. Well, we owned them in week one, so then. It's right. hard because they always play tough against us. Right. So you know oh, they're yeah. going to be. They're gonna any be any divisional play. game yeah. is going to be different just yeah. because of that. But. Yeah, they're one, they're one in five. It just. And the, I guess the last time I played them, the score looks a lot closer than it really was because didn't they score like two they garbage, did, did like two yeah, garbage time activity, touchdowns? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, we'll, I think this Sunday is going to be a lot of fun. Put it that way. Should be. All right, you guys ready to get into some soybean nematode? Yeah. Heck yeah. All right, Bill, what do you got for us this week? So the silent killer, huh? A little bit of Halloween magic <laughs> here with, you know, so something. That's the I, boogeyman the of boogie, soybeans. Yes, I think what? it is. I think, I think um, you know, at least for me as an agronomist, I don't always, that's not always in the front of my mind when I'm thinking about what's, what's wrong with my soybeans, you know? it's It's a disease. It's a nutrient deficiency. It's... They didn't nodulate correctly. It's late planting, aphids, you know, all those other things. And I think this is something that, as agronomists, we need to make sure we pay really good attention to. And and maybe we're not losing 30 bushel like white mold, but maybe we're losing five. And instead of getting 55 bushel, we get 48. And then they're like, why can't I ever hit 40, 50 bushel? You know, so... 
That's yeah, like when you tuck your kids in a bed at night and they ask you to check their closet and yeah. underneath. Yeah. The soybeans, when we're tucking them in at night, <laughs> they ask you to check underneath check the soil to see if, you know, there's any Are soybeans. Are the soybeans just nematode there? <laughs> Isn't I'm pretty sure uh, the cartoon Doug, did you guys watch that? I've yeah. seen that cartoon. Yeah, the, what's yeah. the monster in Doug? It's the nematode. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Pretty sure right. it's a nematode. <laughs> it? That could be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure <laughs> Patty Mayonnaise and Doug mayonnaise, fighting yeah. off the nematode. Didn't watch that. Good yeah, Patty staple. Yeah, I wish so. I could do the Doug voice. It's it's a very funny, or the just the character voices on that show are funny. That's cool. So Heterodera glycines is the genus species. I'm sure that was right at the tip of your tongue there, Matt. Wake up and say that usually. <clears throat> say that ten times fast. Yes, yes. Heterodera glycine. Mm. So the single most pest that affects soybeans in the U.S., which. I guess I didn't. Again, I didn't think about it that way. Estimated loss of one and a half billion dollars. One point five billion. Billion. So, a lot of money there that we're leaving on the table. You know, if, even if we can gain a little bit, and we'll go into later how we can do that. But a little bit on the biology and life cycle. Um, you know, these are microscopic worms that attack the roots, so you're not going to really be able to see um, the worms themselves because they're so small. Um, they have different stages, just like any other, any other, um, worm or bug or whatever, uh, eggs, juveniles, and adults. And the juvenile molts a couple of times, and that's when it enters the roots and affects the plants when it's in its juvenile stage. And that, that's when the adults lay this, create the cyst, right? Right. That, that we get the soybean cyst, cyst. nematode. Yep. Yeah. yep. Um, if the juvenile is a male, it, it chews a little bit and then gets bored and leaves uh, for several days. And then the female actually kind of lures them back later on to mate and, and get the eggs. But um, if the juvenile is a female, then it stays, it molts two, three more times, becomes an adult, and that's where it Actually, it stays and feeds for longer periods of time. The females do kind of like I didn't know there was a difference. I didn't either. I, that's a new um, to me. But uh, kind of like mosquitoes, right? The only was it the females. The only the females sucks blood. Yeah. Yep. Um, the plant damage is due to the feeding of the females. So that's when we are seeing that. That's because of the females. Um, and when she dies, she changes from this white to this brown. And that's what we see. That's what you're talking about, Matt. Is we see those brown little cysts on the on the roots, and it's because she has the eggs inside of her body, and it turns to that brown. And then we consider that the cyst. The cyst is there to overwinter, protect the eggs, um, all that kind of maternal stuff. And um, any one cyst can contain up to 400 eggs, so that's pretty yikes, pretty nuts. Yeah, not as much as a Water hemp plant. No, but no, we're not talking millions. Yeah, but, but eggs is for as many of the, yeah. Yes. You get a, any population four hundred is times you know a thousand doesn't take long to get there. Right, and there can be up to three to four generations in a season, so you can get a lot of a lot of the buildup. So, so that's kind of how um, the, how it works and what happens underneath the soil. Um, symptoms are kind of weird because there's not like like iron chlorosis, you know exactly what it is, or potash deficiency. Yep, that's you, you know those that specific symptom where um, soybean cyst nematode damage is just kind of 
yellowing. So below ground, you can see the cysts on the roots. That's an easy one to find if they're if the damage is bad enough. You can you can really see a lot of those cysts. One thing you don't want to do is yank plants when you're trying to find them because you're going to leave the roots behind. Right, you want to dig them low. Yeah, so dig them as gently as you can. Uh, wash the roots. Um, and then you can obviously see them. They, they, you're going to be able to tell a nodule, you know, a nitrogen fixation nodule from these because these are, you know, almost the size of like a ballpoint pen tip. Whereas obviously a nodule is typically bigger, like bigger, our, and you you can break open the yeah. nodule and you'll see the pink, yep. you know, inside. And like you say, at least that way is when you look closely for them, you can find them. But I agree with you, Bill, that the symptom thing is extremely hard. Is right. You know, basically, you're just in a feeling like, man, this field just kind of sucks. And it's like, well, is it sulfur? <laughs> you know, like that can be, it, in corn, that's how it is where it's just not as vigorous. And beans, it's the same way. Is just like, well, this just didn't do as good. But how do you know if it's only... You know, say a five bushel yield loss, you're right. never going to notice that. Yeah, it's more or less you're determining. Well, it can't be any of these other things. We've addressed everything else. Now let's let's see if that. it's and think of all the assist. other like white mold and beans is just in your face. You yeah. know it's white mold. <laughs> yeah, I mean it is there. <laughs> Did they aerial apply like marshmallow whip all over yeah. the field? What's going on? They're get, just getting ready for spooky season. They got the the webs on them. Yeah, webs. yeah. spider webs. I've it's seen like them, a super dense spider web. I've seen soybean cyst nematode damage really bad, like where the plants are literally bad radio again. But like I'm showing with my hands here, six inches tall, and the the stems are like almost toothpicks. You know where you're like, what is going on here? And then you dig a roots, and you're like, whoa, like it's just loaded. So when it's really bad, I think it. Again, you know, smacks you in the face. But I had a grower three, four years ago give me a call that I kind of do some part-time work for, so I don't scout his fields every week. But he says, I got this field. The field entrances and the low spots are just, they just don't look right. And um, the rest of the field looks good, but there was no water standing. Like, it's not, it wasn't water stress, like, you know, submerged underwater. And I'm like, okay, I'll go take a look. So I started digging roots, and sure enough, like every low spot was maybe four inches shorter. And this was like in July or August, so, I mean, the beans were really tall. The low spots were four to six inches shorter. I dug roots, and they were loaded. And in the good spots, that was normal bean height, you know, maybe mid-thigh or something like that. I dug roots there, too. They had cysts on them as well, but not as many. So it was just like... This isn't adding up, and yep, it was, you know, that was probably where that silent killer was, where he just didn't quite know what it was, and his main part of the field probably still had a couple of bushel loss because they were there too. So, so what, do, what do I do, Bill? It's there. It's there. What do we do? The killer's in the house. No, <laughs> yeah. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, where, do you, where do you look for it? So, yeah, you... so the main spots to look are field entrances because there could be, you know, your tillage equipment could have um, soil left on it, and you get in the field, you drop the equipment, you pull away, and then your soil gets left behind. Um, so kind of looking field entrances, low spots, possibly where some soil could erode to, like in a rainstorm, you know, it gets moved to a low spot. Um, previously flooded, kind of the same thing where the they get moved around with water. 
Um, along fence lines, possibly it can be a, an area and high pH spots as well. And maybe that one spot, like we just talked about, that why doesn't this yield? You know, just a low yielding spot. Um, what, what's funny is all these places that you're naming are generally spots where you're like, oh, yeah, the beans are bad there because, and you say, it's near the driveway, so it gets a right. lot of traffic. Or that, yeah, that spot holds water. That's why the beans are bad. Or, oh, it's along the fence line. That's never good. Or the pH is wrong there. That's why the beans aren't good. And and really, sometimes that's just coincidence that actually it's the soybean cyst nematode is there, but you kind of cross it off your list. Like, oh, that water's still there this spring for a while. Yeah. That's probably the problem. We chalk it up to something else, right? Right, and that's the that, and that's why this has become such a problem is because it mirrors some of the same symptoms of these kind of everyday issues. So those are also the best spots to sample. Um, we'll get to sampling in a little bit, but those low areas, those kinds of things. Um, how does it move? We just talked about that a little bit on your equipment. So make sure you're cleaning your equipment off good this fall when you're doing some tillage that you don't move it to a field that you don't have it or maybe you make the field that you have it worse, something of that nature. Um, Especially if you know you have it, do those fields last preferably and then you yeah. want, you know or at the end. Yep. and That's a good um, idea too. Just trying to – it seems that's hard because you don't think you're moving much soil when you do that, but – I mean, it, it just takes some, if you got a really bad field, moving it to a different field. Right. Um, and birds can move it, whether they feed on it, you know, they can get it on their feet, their stomachs, just those kinds of weird things of nature that, that can happen. So that's nothing you're going to be able to fix. But biggest thing I think is clean your equipment off. Even if it's just brushing, you don't got to get the power washer out, but just brush it down from field to field. So Well, let's talk management. How do we... How do we make things better how do we change things how do we so find the boogeyman's here yeah what do we, we do got it right now turn the lights do? on yeah turn the lights on. hide under the covers yeah don't let your feet hang over whatever you do a <laughs> <laughs> couple of things uh we have re- resistant varieties so um you can choose a resistant variety we have two separate types of resistance the peking and the pi 88788 not sure why they did that way right yeah the and uh we actually talked about those way back in january of last year um we had the the fall of scn resistance because most use the pi88788 and the peking isn't in very many varieties so if you are having issues and you've been using you know check if you have resistant varieties if you're using ones with pi88788 which of course you're going to know talk to your agronomist or your (laughs) seed dealer you might want to switch to the Peking because you're going to see probably better results because most varieties have that uh, that really complicated one that I don't want to say again. PI88788. Uh, so you got resistant varieties. So I thought that was another good thing to talk about now because obviously we're picking soybean varieties for next year. So, you know, go about the same way you always do with yield and everything else you look at when you're picking varieties. And then maybe in the back of your mind think... Maybe I should be doing a little bit of soybean cisnematode, uh, choose, you know, resistant variety as well. Probably the easiest and best thing to do is still the good old crop rotation. Um, these n- nematodes can only feed on their host plants. There's a couple other ones, but they're not row crops. So if we rotate out of soybeans and you plant corn, you plant alfalfa, 
those eggs that are there from overwintering are going to hatch and have nothing to feed on and eventually your populations are going to go down. How many years will it take? Oh, and I don't know if there's like a, a straight up answer for that because it depends probably first off depends how bad your pressure is. Right. Cuz right. I've heard, you know, it's not like 2 years. I mean, you'll bring it down. I'm sure the longer after the two better. Years, yeah. That's good. But I I mean, if if you want to try to say eradicate it, you're talking 5 to 10 years. Yep. To sort and eradicates maybe even a bad word, but if if you want to if you've got it where you've where we've seen bill where guys are beans on beans for like 10 years yeah. and it's like they've got a bad problem because they've been beans on beans too long um that's going to take you 10 years to fix you right. know it's it's not a it's not a quick fix that way this isn't a one year of corn and we'll be fine deal right. oh and uh, you know isn't the general rule you know if this ground's never seen soybeans you'll get your best yields and then yep. your virgin ground, the, yeah. the way to to get as close as you can, I think, is to wait at least 10 years, isn't it? Sure, so, to that version you know, soybean to thing. let yeah. it go again to kind of try to get it back to that point. So I, I think to be, to just go two years corn is a good, like say your corn beans normally and you find a field that's really high, throw one more year of corn in there if you can. A, a year of wheat would be great too. Um, and then pick a resistant variety um, and usually that can help quite a lot, um, but it's it's breaking up that bean cycle um, whatever, or, in whatever maybe way. You can, you can find a neighbor with some dairy cows that wants to buy some hay and put down, seed it down for yeah. four or five years. Yeah. That actually is what happened to the, the yeah, guy Todd was talking about that we kind of work with. He had beans on beans for 10, 15, and he rented his ground out to a dairy now, and they're doing corn silage and, and alfalfa, and probably going to help him in the long run if he goes back to planting beans so we also have nematicide treatments um that depends on weather conditions i think and soil conditions so that maybe isn't as as good and and repeatable yeah i know they've heard a lot of pretty uneven results with like different seed treatments from Soil type and everything kind of makes a big difference yeah. on how so well those work. Use that in conjunction with the resistant varieties and the rotation like we talked about. So so we do have some treatments. Um, it's not like you can go out and just spray like Roundup, but, you know, you got to work well, with your Well, think of it like as an insect. I mean, it's not an insect. It's a nematode, but we don't have an insecticide where right. we can just go spray it, and then we don't have the problem anymore. So that is what's hard with this one, too, is it's – it slowly builds up, and then once you have a problem, you got you got to think long term to fix it. And I think the one thing with farmers and agronomists, this just needs to be another point of discussion when we're talking about how to plan for next year. We talk about varieties, we talk about fertilizer, we talk about a herbicide program. I think soybean cyst nematode should be in that list. It's probably not going to be the top of the list, but it needs to be in that list. Um, so sampling, um, best time to do it is in fall, probably after a soybean field, because then the eggs are there and they're going to be the highest population. Your best what, chance of capturing that. Right. What I actually prefer is to do it actually bef- in a cornfield that's going to be Sure. Because um, you're, you're right, though, you're not going to see the extreme high. Right. But at least, um, like right now, too, going back to last week, Max's um, toolkit of soil sampling is while you're out soil sampling a field yep. this year, that's one thing to think of. I was like, well, I'll just do a SCN soil sample right away if I know this is going to be beans next year. Um, 
just and to you're ready. just to see and maybe decide. Okay, do we, do we need the resistant variety on this one because it's the highest out of my bean fields that I'm going to? Or holy man, they're still really high, and this is going to beans. Maybe I do got to put it to corn, or it it gives me time to decide. Um, but I would agree, it doesn't say if you've got how bad your problem potentially is. Um, so so yeah, I, I think you could do it though. You think of when you want to do it and why, and I think both scenarios are good. Are good. Do it before tillage. You know, we don't want to do it after tillage when we've mixed that soil up more. So do it, do it before tillage. You can do it throughout the field, but I think sometimes you should target those field entrances, low spots, those things we talked about before that might have higher populations uh, to kind of capture. This is that. the opposite of. Our normal soil sampling where you don't target those spots. Um, where you're random. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting, too, is you don't necessarily want You want to do it separate and just drive around the field and grabbing um, some of those more prone spots. The cool part is you want to sample six to eight inches deep, which is what we're sampling anyway when we do soil. So this isn't like get some a big auger or, sample, yeah, right? it's just it's do as you normally do, take 10 to 20 cores-ish. I think we do 12 to 15, somewhere in there. And then if you are sampling a field that has soybeans in it, that was soybeans, it might not be a bad idea to try to sample right next to the plant, you know, to get some roots maybe in there. Yeah, get in that root zone. Um, so. So then once we've taken the samples, we send them in, we get the results. What is... How do we interpret those results? Well, you're going to, depending where you send it, um, the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board, actually, you can get, every farmer can get four free samples at no charge. Um, Isn't that free? Yes, it is. (laughs) Free samples at no charge. charge. (laughs) What could be better? Yeah, but I got, remember back when when the cell phone companies came out? 100 minutes for free for $19.99? Free, 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 free. So anyway, you get them in eggs per 100 cc's of soil is how you'll get it. And it's kind of a risk factor. So the lower the number, the lower the risk, the higher the number, the higher the risk. Um, and your results should come back with a little chart that you can, you can, um, you know, match it up to. And I would say like a moderate economic yield would be somewhere in that 300 to 500 eggs per 100 cc's. You know, if you're getting 10,000 eggs per cc's, well, then you're in that. Then you're in the extreme. You probably right. want to do Very something high end about that. Then you're yeah. bad. What yeah, I do like, like about the way they rate it is it is by economic impact. So it's not like, well, it's high. Well, okay, is it going to be bad? Yeah, it'll be bad. But this is like, no, I mean, you're going to, it's a substantial economic impact. Yeah. So it, it kind of does tell you that, okay, if you're in that moderate category, yeah, you probably can still... You're going to have pockets that are problems, plant a variety, and you'll probably be okay. But when you're in that high to very high, you probably got to rotate or, you know, be doing, taking it more seriously. The nice part about the Wisconsin ones you get back from the marketing board um, when you send those in is you get every nematode too. It's not just soybeans. So, 
there's other things in the soil that could affect corn. You know, you get those numbers back as well. That goes so. back to what you guys are saying of doing it after beans. There's the advantage of doing it after soybeans is sure. you're going to get corn nematode numbers yep. anyway. And yep. if you go to corn the next year, you know that stuff too. So it, it in a way, I guess it really doesn't matter after corn or beans. It's just whatever you're trying to do with your free for free at no charge. And tests. maybe the next year you do the same fields again if you do go. So I'm going to sample in corn this year. And then next year you plant the beans and you sample again, maybe you can see how your numbers change too. If you you know, if you don't have a lot of fields you want to sample. Put, right. so. To put it in perspective too, if if you run out of your four free tests, they're thirty dollars a test sure. to to purchase them. So um for for the potential economic impact, uh that it wouldn't be bad either to if you if you're like, Well, I, I need more than the four free ones to you, I mean you gotta gain three bushel. To, right, to pay for to pay it right for now, it. right now, well, on, on one acre, you're right? Three bushel right. on one acre, oh. and you know the these. It says to you want to do it per twenty acres, but usually I do it in general per field. Per field. I mean, you, you can. I mean, it it depends on how you want to assess it. But I would just Google soybean cyst nematode free soil kit, and you probably could find the website. Well, to we get we, your ha- kit. we have the email right here. Oh, so go ahead, if, you, Matt. if you want your free soil sampling kit, you can email free. That's F-R-E-E-S-C-N test at mail plus, not mail as in guy, but mail as in email. The mail. Or the mail. Dot W-I-S-C dot E-D-U. So whisk dot E-D-U. So free S-C-N test at mail plus dot whisk E-D-U to get your free soil sampling kit. Everybody gets for free. And... um Certain labs in the area will take them. We know uh, Voss or Egg Source Labs in Bundawell takes them. And uh, do we know if Pespro does? Does, I believe. Yeah, so, they yeah. still do Pespro, it, down um, on the Central Sands yeah. near hand, uh, um, Plainfield. Plainfield, areas. yeah. So there you go. So if you're, you just can't figure out what's wrong with your beans, good chance it might be soybean cyst nematode. So go ahead and get yourself some tests and find out. Now we'll do our spotlight for today. Nobody likes to get crop dusted, but crop dusting <laughs> drones in the field. Will these drones crop dust in that way? I, I don't know. Yeah, just fill them up with some methane. <laughs> yeah. And just fly over. Methane and sulfur and do a little flyover. I feel like that, that's a drone that gets hacked. Yeah, it just sucks up some sewer gas or something and spreads it but uh so they have a new drone from pika a california-based tech startup has a autonomous plane that looks like a proof of concept for potential crop dusting and they are hoping to keep moving in that direction this thing looks huge 37, 38 feet. Okay. As I'm looking span. at it going like... You can carry up to my, 625 pounds of cargo. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not your three-pound quadcopter. No, that no, is this for sure. Is, what's the drone that the military predator. uses? The Predator. Yeah, it's you know, closer I mean, to a Predator. Yeah, this a, thing's like... It's like, like a, a small Cessna. Yeah. <laughs> that's but without a pilot. That's like, an awesome You could name, fit predator. a person in this thing if you wanted to, I bet. Like if it... You know, this isn't like one... It's it's big. So that's that's cool. the point, Todd. Not to put a person in. <laughs> I know. But I'm just saying, like most of these that we don't put a person are are very small. Right. And then and there, this one looks. So it's got 45 minutes of flight cool. time. 
so it means you get about 30 minutes of spraying before it's got to come back and land. Uh, can take off and land from a 500-foot runway. Can use dirt or a cleared section of a field, so it doesn't need, you know, a lot of times when regular crop dusting planes are going, they need an airport or shut down a road. This you could do off of a dirt strip somewhere. Um, and it takes about a minute to swap out batteries, so it's battery-powered. and what's just the battery? It's got it be. says it's got a trio of 20-kilowatt motors. So, I'm, yeah, I imagine it's got to be a couple packs, big, double A's. Pretty big battery. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a 9-volt in there. The, the Amazon Basics double A 48-pack. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're, yeah, you're just sticking some C batteries in this thing. I think it's a little <laughs> bit more... Uh, D's. D's. <laughs> It runs on a hearing aid battery. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't see anything about the size of the battery in, in here, but yeah, so or how many there are. It just says batteries, so presumably more than one. 25 acres, you know, if it's 75 gallons, if we're doing three gallons to the acre, 25 acres at a crack for a load. Around That's here, that would be terrible. It's doable. Yeah. yeah. If you're doing a section, that would be a little more complicated. Right. Yeah, take you, you get a while. two or three of these going, and you just well, yeah, that, let them fly, and then you're just changing out batteries. And that's the other side of drone technology. They got the the stuff where you can fly in sync or whatever. All the little drones. Yep. Apply that to this, that's, and yeah, you got a fleet of ten drones. You could cover good to go. acres. It does say Pika will start making serious inroads over the next twelve months, so we might have to keep watching this. Something potentially to come back to. Pika. All right, now we'll move into our egg history minute. Gotta love that banjo. This, this is the wrong banjo music for a Halloween episode, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so in honor of the holiday tomorrow, Halloween, we'll talk about Halloween and agriculture. So it's believed that Halloween's origins line, uh, lie in the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, which is celebrated from October 31st to November 1st, marking the beginning of winter. Egg Department historian Anne Elfland believes that the theme of death and sacrifice may have come from farmers' need to slaughter some animals for food over the long winter. The ancient Celts believed that Samhain was a time when the veil between our world and the other world was lowered, allowing creatures such as fairies, monsters, and demons to wander the village. In Ireland, people would carve turnips into lanterns, which morphed into our modern-day pumpkin jack-o'-lantern. And the ancient Celtic people believed that apples could be used to tell the future, so bobbing for apples was practiced to predict who you would marry. (laughs) Halloween wasn't always as big of a deal in the U.S. as it is today, partly because of religious beliefs. So, you know, there's some people that believe you're worshipping demons by celebrating Halloween. The new wave of immigrants who came in the mid-19th century brought their customs and celebrations, and over time, Halloween went big nationwide. I made Sierra Bob for apples on her first date to see if, you know, <laughs> she, she, was, see if she was the yeah. one. She must have got it right, huh? I, she got a couple. I think you could merge two of the uh, the things here and just Bob for turnips and then carve it into a... Jack Lantern. So, <laughs> do you guys three, ever three to one? Did you ever see the episode of The Office where they have the Halloween party and they're bobbing for apples and the one girl her head is underwater for like a long time and they pull her out and they're like, "Are you okay?" She's like, "Yeah, I ate three of them." <laughs> <laughs> it is like waterboarding kids. I always thought that was like the yeah. weirdest. Except like, for they can stop whatever they want. Uh, yeah, true. Well, 
You're not holding their head in your water. It depends. Did you come from a champion of apple bobbers? Be, you know, <laughs> pretty tough in our house. That, that was the practice, though, not the actual competition. You had, to, you had to pick up a whole peck of apples before you could have dinner at night. Yeah. My son can hold his breath for five minutes. How, how do you know? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> all time. No, the old... Have you ever seen the, the pictures? Like, well, I guess they wouldn't really be pictures. They'd be, like, renditions of what it would look like to carve a turnip into a, a lantern. They're pretty funny. <laughs> oh, I can imagine it'd be... Uh, they're, like, because they're just small and... Well, weird. it's just... It's just... Like, well, uh, part of it is that we're used to looking at a pumpkin. pumpkin but, okay, yeah. think about, think about like, a... Like, turn up like a purple top turn up and carving a face into it yeah and then hey i was in a cover crop uh well it was more of a deer plot than a cover crop plot yesterday you know day before yesterday and they had like turnips that were some basketballs yeah like 10 12 inches in diameter so pretty good pretty good size good so if you want to learn how to grow a turnip the size of your head please look up a crop consultant in your area go to naicc.org and there you'll find a crop consultant we appreciate you listening um thanks for the likes we're up to like seven likes on apple Podcasts. yeah almost double digits (laughs) so thanks for the likes and um Thanks for subscribing. Please tell a farmer friend. Um, tell them about our podcast. Hopefully you can say you might learn a little bit. And these, these guys talk about some fun stuff. Might just want to hear our hot takes on the Packers. Hot, hot takes on uh, yeah. carving turnips. Um, <laughs> I've so, got the lovely bunch of turnips. So Matt, where can they follow us? in a row. Bump, bump, bump. Big one, small one, some as big as your head. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. All right, let's do some current events with Cool Beans That's Corny. So, Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Well, our Cool Beans this week is a callback to earlier this summer when Extend was taken off the board. and It's, it's back. It's back. Yes. Guess who's back? Back, back in town. <laughs> Extend's Flex back. Flex is back. <laughs> so, Extend, Tavium, and uh, Ingenia are... Re-registered for a five-year term. There are some Booyah. new uh, details, so make sure you're still checking those labels because a little more stricter. Uh, huh? We're limited to June 30th on soybeans and July 30th, I believe, for cotton. Not that we have many cotton growers in our area, but not on purpose. There anyway. was that <laughs> distinction um, buffers in general, so you need a 240-foot buffer, 310 feet if it's county designated with an endangered species. Um, you can get that buffer lowered by using a hooded sprayer, which goes back to the 110-foot one, and the 310 would go to the 240. And your maximum use rate is 22 ounces for any application. So, so yeah, there are some changes there. Make sure you seek out that dicamba training if you're going to go with dicamba beans this year. I did you say you only have to do it every other year. Now that's one of the changes. So. Yep. But so still, this a, year I think yes, everybody's going to do, do it. So you do need to do it this year, but then you can take a year off. Year off. So and then the date thing, I think we knew was coming <laughs> until so. something else happens next year. Well, yeah, hopefully not. I, I it does look. I mean, it's great that we got this technology back, so we can make seed decisions now. Yeah, it's um, better than getting it in it, May. Yeah, so it just yeah. that part's good. <laughs> just an absolute stress out last spring. Right. Right. And I do think, um, and this might go to a future episode where we'll talk about it, but just 
the June 30th date, we will re- have to rethink how we spray it, you know, right. of, yep. of maybe you don't use a pre-emerge herbicide and then you just come back with a, a one that you can spray early post um, with Ingenia. And it's not that late rescue like we kind of started using it for. I right. Think, we don't want it for that. I think even with Enlist, we're, I think that's going to be kind of the way it we we're still tr- want to spray water up when they're small. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah you, you, this is an excuse to let it go and then come <laughs> well, back and yeah, It's labeled it. again. I'll just let it get eight feet tall and then <laughs> spray it. Please use technology wisely. All right. Are right, that's corny for the week. Wah, wah, wah. Phase one fails to deliver. A new approach to China is needed, says trade expert. So China. After after all this year, yes. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, phase one agreement that de-escalated the trade war is not paying off in massive sales of U.S. products, including food and agriculture exports to China or in the long-term reform China trade practices, says Chad Brown of the Peterson Institute for International Economics. President Trump's trade war has failed to address what really ails the U.S.-China trade relationship. He's, he wrote, it's time for a new approach. So we were all kind of hopeful. I mean, at least prices are... You know, moving in the right direction, but uh, with this news, that may be a short-term deal. So confirmed, it was not Yoge. <laughs> it was not, yes. Mr. President. It was not Yoge. No. But like what's, you said, we have some movement. Let's hope it stays that way, I guess. What's scary about this is 62% of their commitment still needs to happen Yep, in October, November, and December to meet their target. Which right thirty percent of one hundred seventy three point one billion, so that'd be a, a lot to spend. I'm sure in general more of it happens in the fall. Yeah, in general. So I, I mean, but to to do sixty two percent, yeah, I don't know. So hopefully we can, yeah, keep. Just hopefully we can make stuff right for farmers, and and China keeps buying our product and lots of it. China's got a China, 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 <laughs> China. It's got to keep her moving. That's what's got to happen. <laughs> All right, and we'll wrap her up with a, another egg idiom. So, Pill, you want to talk about rough as a cob? Rough as a cob. This one's just been in my, like, back of my brain, Todd, when you brought this. Uh, what would I do? Oh, the idiom. The idiom oh, thing. Okay. You brought like, the I'm idiom the, up. I don't think I ever like, use rough as a cob. Oh, you it? never heard that? Like, I, I, oh, the I field is rough it. as a cob. we got to get it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yep. In it? Yep, I I, I've like, heard it. You, you didn't have an outhouse as a kid. Don't you don't, you're not familiar with it. <laughs> did not have an outhouse. I did have a buddy who had a cottage on a lake up north that had an outhouse that we used. Corn cobs? No corn cobs. No so corn cobs. Right. No, he had a roll of teepee in there. So yes, rough as a cob. So in earlier times, a corn cob was used by some for personal hygiene, including your visit to the outhouse. To say that one is rough as a cob is to note. A their abrasive manner or unpolished style of approach. So, yeah, I, I'm, I can't even think of a, like a favorite variety of corn. I'd have to say, like, oh yeah, this would be the best. Would cob. That be where the white, the white cob would come, come in? in? Maybe a little. Sure. little a, why did little one gentler? think that that would be a good idea? Like velvet leaf, Any, man. You, know, you just use what a, you had. Any port in the storm. As yeah. an as an avid avid outdoorsman, I've I've had to experience the occasional emergency uh, hygiene product, <laughs> and I would say corn cob would be very very low on the list. Maybe one step above pine cone, but I, very low. <laughs> my my vision is it's something you can keep for the winter. 
Because sure. obviously that keeps you're not easily. Right, yes. not, Whereas a leaf, you can't keep a leaf plants alive sure. during winter. And, the and ones you that, have, that and do, you have a lot of cobs that so. do stay evergreen <laughs> would potentially be worse. Do you think those Charmin bears? That's why they hibernate, so they don't have to use the corn cob. Yeah, they don't have winter. to use pine cones or pine needles. <laughs> yeah. I think I think your best bet, honestly, is either a velvet leaf or a lamb's ear Ooh. leaf. What, what woolly mullen, right? Is the weed that yeah, common is, mullen? Common, common mullen. Thank you. Yes, yep. is the is camper's friend. Yep. And that that one. Uh, I don't know. I'm a big lamb's ear, lamb's ear guy. It's real nice and soft. <laughs> so next time your farmer says that field was rough as a cob, you know what he was talking about. <laughs> yep. No, no use in burdocks. <laughs> Could that's got a big, big leaf surface? I mean, yeah, but you know. what's left in the winter? Is, well, you know, yeah, only the seed pods. <laughs> so that'll do it for this week. Thanks, guys, for being here. Thanks, Matt. Happy Halloween. And we so this week we talked about soybean cyst nematode. We looked at a drone for crop dusting. Talked about the history of Halloween agriculture. Our cool beans was extend back on label and ready for use for next year. That's corny. Was the Chinese phase one purchasing is not going as well as we'd hoped. And we finished it all up with. Rough as a cob in our egg idiom for the week. So thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming.